what's up, guys? Welcome to WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. And I'm Josh. And uh, here we are. It's uh, it's Sunday, and uh, man, it's just, it's just been good today. Alan's fresh from a nap. I am ready to go, man. <laughs> I'm hitting on all eight. He's ready. If uh, we we didn't have coffee filters this week, so that was kind of a bummer. But uh, I think I think we can manage. Also, our light went out in our room, so uh, we've got some good natural lighting going on in here. And uh, it's just us through this week. We don't have a guest. Uh, Pastor Jason's getting ready for the service tonight. Um, so, man, all I can think about right now is what this week represents. Yeah. Oh, man. I think we should just talk about that starting off. And today is? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. I almost said Lent Sunday, but that's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that wouldn't be right. <laughs> Um, I, man, I think it's even like with our youth group right now, we're doing a sermon series called the road of the cross and we've started in John 13 and we're going through the rest of the book of John, but right there in John 13, that's when Jesus is sitting down for his last feast. And it talks about that. He realizes within himself that the time has started that, you know, he's getting ready to go to the cross. Don't that just blow your mind? It's crazy. I mean, you can think about just the, 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 the change of not only their opinion but just the the complete change of direction from week to week on mm. what you know the the entry and and the fact that they're screaming hosanna and here comes jesus and they're throwing their clothes in front of him and they're throwing palm leaves in his path and giving him all kinds of this uh you know warm welcoming and leads us straight into easter i know i mean it's like when you start the book of John, you know, you get into like chapter two and you have like the the wedding feast and the miracle that he performs of water and wine. But it's, you know, his mother comes to him and she's like, you know, they need help. And he's like, you know, my hour's not yet come. So we see this phrase, my hour's not yet come. He knew that it was not his hour. And then all of a sudden it's like everything flips because in 13 it says now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. So here's the, you know, he's been saying, like, it's not time yet, it's not time yet, or even think about the times when, like, the crowds would push him against cliffs or try to kill him or do things, and he would just, like, walk through the midst of them. He'd walk around them, or he'd go through, or he'd go away, and they wouldn't get him. They wouldn't catch him. Or when the Pharisees would try to catch him saying something blasphemous, and then he just, like, flips it on his head, and they leave, you know, with their tail between their legs instead of him. And then all of a sudden he says, his hour had come. And what I like about it, when you when you look at Jesus being God in the flesh, and you can look at so many scriptures that lets us know that man, our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. No, we can't comprehend the things that God thinks of and the God the way that God looks at us. But you can look by the behavior that's demonstrated through Jesus Christ, the way His mind works, because He's He knows now. He does know. My time's come. Yeah. How does he respond? Does he does he flee to the hills? Does he uh, recruit a, uh, a a militia to defend mm-hmm. him? No, he submits yeah. to the Father's will. Absolutely. What do you think, Josh? I think that that the statement that Alan just <clears throat> made is key: the submission to the Father's will. You know, I mean, even knowing what was getting ready to happen and what yeah. he was getting ready to face in 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 the whole punishment that it entailed, and he was submissive to it. 
Yep. You know, at any time. I mean, that's that's at any time he could have done that. Yep. Yeah. You know, but it's that was not the intention. That was not the purpose. And I think that we truly see, you know, Jesus's thought process and character, you know, there when they came to get him, you know, when Peter cut the guards off, ear off, you know, and he said, hey, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword, you know, and it was ultimately he's letting them know. You know this. This must be done. That's yeah. why I'm here. Yes, this must be done. Yeah. I, I, and we, you know, and he was, and he was. Well, even when Peter is like, you know, oh, I'm not going to let this happen, and then Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, because he would have been a hindrance. Yeah, Peter. He probably he really didn't realize. What I mean, he was just trying to defend his Lord. Oh, Peter. But yeah, I mean, uh, for I, real. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but but can we be honest for a second? I mean, how many times do we hinder the word and the will of the Lord uh, by that, by getting right in the middle of it and think that we're doing a good thing, and all we are doing is creating yeah. havoc? Yeah, I sympathize with Peter because I really kind I mean, of oh yeah, under, I mean, <laughs> understand yeah. where he comes yeah, from. Yeah, he, he didn't he didn't fully understand. I yeah. mean, and I'm sure it came from a place of innocence, but. It just shows, you know, when the Lord says, get behind me, Satan, he's not literally saying Peter is the equivalent to Satan. But obviously, anything that was trying to hinder Jesus from getting to the cross was a hindrance. And, I I mean, a lot of people talk about, you know, was Peter possessed? Was Peter this? And I I think that's maybe the wrong wrong way to try to focus on it. Uh, Instead of taking, let's take the emphasis off Peter and just look at what Jesus stood for i mean he was just saying listen get behind me this isn't going to stop me and i mean we read about jesus's encounter it with satan when he was driven out of the wilderness i mean satan tried to tempt him three different times talking about he could have this he could do this he could have all these things and jesus is like do you not know what the word says you you, you can't you know jesus didn't have that linear perception of uh, of time either he knew not only what had to be done now but he 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 saw the the outcome he saw the end goal and he, he realized that yeah this is my will. I've got to go through this right now, but I understand how this is going to impact mankind for yeah. eternity. Not yeah, he just didn't. right now, not just yeah. a moment of discomfort, but I understand how it's, this has got to be done yeah. to help Alan Lovin in, in, in 2021. I mean, he knew exactly. And it's like I, I think about this too. Like when you get into Christ and how he talked about all things and he talks about the beginning, he talks about the prophets, you know, um, you, when you get into John 3, and he talks about just as the serpent was lifted up, so must the Son of Man. I mean, it's like he was right there. I mean, he knew the details, it sounds like. But when we look at like Colossians chapter 1 or even John chapter 1, and we look at his preeminence about how he existed before he ever came through a virgin, a lot of people can't comprehend that. But as I tell everyone that I try to talk to every week in youth and in college group and all a lot of things in scriptures take faith. I, I mean, some of the stuff we believe in, it, I mean, it does sound absurd. Man, it goes right back to our podcast where we you know, pay closer attention. Yeah. That faith is, yeah. Man, it applies to more stuff than just salvation. But yes. the other thing, though, is when you are a Christian and we read about how, you know, the Holy Spirit now dwells in us. We read about we're a temple, you know, for the Holy Spirit. He, You know, Jesus even said, me and my Father, we'll make our home with you. Um, you know, when we think about the scripture that says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his. So when you put your faith in God and you're saved by God and you have the Holy Spirit within you, it's not hard for me to believe that he came from a virgin because my faith is this. The Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Therefore, if this word says it happened, I'm for it. I'm 100 percent for it. But, you know, when we look at Jesus existing beforehand, we have to understand There are a lot of details we're not going to know between 
when he came out the womb and when he hit the age of 30. Right? You know, he was a teenager. It did. We get a glimpse. I believe it's in uh, Luke or Mark where we get the glimpse of him being a 12-year-old boy teaching in the temple. And they were astonished. You know, they were like, whoa, what is this? And his mom shows up. And he's like, Jesus, you know, where have you been? We thought, and he's like, he's like, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So we have to understand that when Christ came, he didn't come to just live life on a random day basis. He came with a goal. He came with, you know, something that was given to him. He, he said, I don't do anything by myself. He talks about the father's with me. The father gives me what to say. The father guides me. Let the father's will be done. And so when we look at this, I think, both of y'all have hit it on the head when he says this phrase of my hours come like it wasn't a, a surprise to him like it didn't just shock him like even when you get into galatians and you read that verse that said you know at a appointed time god sent forth his son through a virgin you know this is an appointed thing jesus's life he sent jesus at a appointed time through the virgin mary but all of a sudden when you get to right here in john chapter 13 this is appointed yep i it's no surprise to him what's getting ready to happen. But when we talk about this week and we talk about what this uh, time represents, you know, that's we always talk about Easter and we talk about the Lord's resurrection. And we talk about, you know, and we could get nitty gritty. I mean, there's details. There's time periods. You know, when we look at how we view it in America with the holiday, you could get nitty gritty with the details. But I think it's just one of those things that, you know, and this is just me and I think you guys are going to agree with this. A lot of people wait till right now to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Yep. And I can't just wait till Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. I want to celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day of my life, Absolutely. every week of my life. And I think we need to look at this week and honor it for what it is. I mean, what it really represents, but we can't just be like, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. We're going to go to church Sunday. Let's put on our best outfits. And then next Monday... Where you at? We, we call them, I, I call them, I ain't going to put everybody in the same boat as I'm in. We call them CEOs. Christmas mm. and Easter only. <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> CEO Christians. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the truth, though. Yeah. I, I mean, man, I, I just, I, I don't get it. Like, you come for a celebration here, a celebration here, and then, you know, what? So that's two weeks. Two weekends, right? So there's 52 weeks in it. I mean, so you're looking at, what, 50 Sundays that you're not going to church, but two out of 50, 52, you're going to go for. And that just doesn't make sense to me. And that's why, I mean, I get a lot, like I got a little emotional is because it's not just this coming Sunday that I'm here to celebrate. I mean, we celebrated it today. Yeah, we I heard it. Oh, yeah. I can't wrap my head around that concept either. I mean, when you when you stop and think about this, this, this time, frame mm -hmm. in history yeah when, what it represents and we that celebrate it yeah uh, every and it's impacted our life so much when it comes to the the anniversary of that time frame that's etched down in history it does something inside of me that i start to realize that new and better covenant you know, when we think about all all the Bible studies that we've done, all the Sunday school lessons that we've been through about the the sacrificial uh, process and the old covenant and the the, the Levitical law and how that uh, Abraham and his family had these, you know, all those things that has now laid the groundwork for the new and better covenant. And Palm Sunday starts this whole 
Balder Roland where it's hey it's coming yeah. to reality. Yeah. It's coming to reality. It's, it's exciting. to happen. It I mean and, and don't get me wrong, like this weekend, it is very exciting to think about this time period of history like you talked about, Alan. I mean, Jesus rose from the grave one time. I mean, he conquered death one time, and it happens to fall within this week's period. And so it is very exciting to think about. And, you know, I think it is something that majority of the world or majority of people in this state or this country, however you want to say it, probably this country more, so you know, a lot of them are going to go to some sort of church experience yep. this yep. weekend, or they're going to turn something online. I mean, majority of people will do that. And it's even like the ones that don't. They still see how we celebrate the resurrection. They still see how we celebrate Jesus. I've heard our pastor say this, and I will say it to our listeners. If your faith will not take you to church, what makes you think it's going to take you to heaven? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, that, that's something that if, if I was one of those CEOs that attended church two times a year, I would spend some deep time in self-evaluation and reflection looking in God's Word because the Bible teaches us to to seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And uh, that's why we do this podcast, man. If you're out there, uh, I challenge you. Yeah. If you if you go to church twice a year, get in God's Word and study and see if you've got what you say you've got. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, like Josh. Yeah, because what, 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 yeah. Is, what has taken them to church those two times a year? I mean, truly, <laughs> what's taking you there? Is it I, tradition? I put my Sunday, my my. my my flirty tile. You yeah. promised a, a new, parent. You promised somebody. Yeah, I mean, it, what what is what has actually taken you? Yeah, I you mean, know? because th- I mean, that yeah. it ultimately it boils down to you know, I mean, that's one of the things. Like our our Sunday school class anymore. I mean, it's it, it is to say it's good is underrating it. But we get into discussions in there. And when we get into the discussions in there, you know, today was brought Real up. Real stuff. Yes. Real stuff. Yeah. Impact, like, impacts our life. Right. And we were talking about the true change. You know, how how is it evident when we see here, you know, all of this incorporated in to the conversion that happens? Not man doing. We cannot make that conversion on ourselves. It's mm-hmm. only through Christ. Yeah. But once we are his... A change happens yeah. that we can't stop. Can't do it. We can't. Yeah. And so when we when that change happens, you know, there there is so much that's in behind that that is not of us. Mm-hmm. The only thing we have is faith in what he's done. Yeah. That's it. And like I said, so when we start focusing on, you know, that it's not about us. It's not about our church attendance, who we say, who we sit next to, where no. we go to church. It's about our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and serving him and seeking his will. Just like we talked about, Jesus sought the will of the Father. Exactly. You know, and we're going to, you know, we can talk about the whole Godhead, you know, the, the God, the Father, then you had the Son, you know, then you had the man of the home, like we talked about in previous podcasts. Yep. We align in with Christ, so whether you're a husband, a wife, a child, a son, a daughter, it doesn't matter. Our relationship and our alliance is with Jesus Christ, period. If we, yes, it because if we're up. focused there, guess what? Every other one of our relationships will align. And then we talked about also how to, when things get askew and things get out of, uh, uh, out of balance. Well, again, we're not campaigning for hate or trying to irritate or agitate or poke at the bear, but the Bible does warn about 
wolves in sheep's clothing. Yes. And folks that say they have something they really don't they have. They don't have. It's not, it, they don't possess it. Right. And that's not mine to judge. That's God's. And we, talk, we read the scripture. Yes. Uh, okay, I, I understand that, but I want you to understand that God will judge. Yep. And it's a promise in his word. So you better make sure you've got it right. Yep. And I mean, we can't, we, we can deceive the outside appearance, you know, but the thing about it is only time, we can only hide stuff so long, you know, we can only put on a facade in front of people for so long before they're going to see true who, you know, who we truly are. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, and, and that's one of the things that I'm thankful for. It's not about me because if it was about me, I'm going to fail, period. Yeah. I will fail. You know, and that's the thing that is like, so, you know, I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for him showing me my state apart from him. I'm thankful I don't have to be something I'm not. Exactly. I can be me. That's what I'm saying. God. Yes. Yes. Because you know what? You, you know, and, and that's, and, and I mean, so many times though, that's where the beauty of all of it lies is that when we fail is when we're going to get called out because Christians are being watched. And as soon as you trip, stumble or fail, they're like, ah, caught you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But now follow, watch me just as closely because what's going to happen now is repentance. Because I now understand where I was against God and how my actions veered from what his will is for me in my life. Yeah, it's important. So watch as closely as you've been watching. Watch, I'm going to show you through repentance now. You know, and I mean, and, and the humility, to, the humility to stand before co-workers, friends, family, children. I mean, you'll never truly understand Humility until you apologize to your kid for your yeah. action against them in front of a holy God and where he corrected you. And then you let your actions back up your mouth. Yes. And that your family can see that. Can that's see visible. That. That's tangible. Yes. They can see it. They can put their hands yes. on it and say, oh, he's not doing that anymore. Yes. And you I mean, mean, that's where humility really going to come to, you know, or to where it is a spouse, a loved one or something that, yes. Yeah, it's real. It's real to him. Yes. And but and like, the only reason we can talk about this or come to this conclusion is because what took place this place this week? Exactly. Because without what he did on the cross, we wouldn't be forgiven of sins. But without the resurrection and him conquering the sins, you know, it's even when you think about the scripture when it says the first fruits. He was the first fruits. He was the first fruits. Christ was the first one to to go through the process of dying and being brought back. And that's when you look at us like we're not physically having to die, right? We're not physically having, but spiritually, what he did physically for us made a way for us to spiritually go from a place of dead in our sins, as our pastor said this morning, to a place where we're absolutely, absolutely new in Christ. And and, uh, um, I want to read. Can I I just want to read? Let's keep going with this. Oh, man. And this is in John chapter 19, and it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief and the priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to the law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. It's a good point. 
He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release and, and authority to crucify you? Jesus said to him, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. The Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramagabatha. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of School, which in Aramaic is called Gagatha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side. Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote on an inscription, put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man... I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear, but cast lots to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, where his mother and his mother's sister married the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross of the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they may be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you may also believe. For Jesus, or for these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, 
who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus away. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier, this is talking about John 3, Nicodemus, had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 70 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial customs of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, let's pay attention right here. You got me. Go ahead. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, and while it's still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went in the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and he believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb she wept she stood to look in the tomb she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She still thinks they stole it. <laughs> she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. Ba-ding. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, you tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to Mary, She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord that he has said these things to her. She now realizes nobody has stolen him. No. no. He's perfectly alive. He's alive. And I mean, (laughs) we can talk about this. And I wanted to read that before we continue talking about this, just because, I mean, this is what we're talking about this week. I, I mean, literally, as we go through each day, getting to, as the world says, Good Friday. And it's not a fairy tale. Mm-mm. It's a historical event. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> that happened. Yes. You listen. This is what I man. This is me. I understand. I, I completely understand that there are some things in this world that sound like fiction, and some people read this and they hear about this and they they get confused. But let me tell you, if you don't have faith, you cannot please God. That's nope. what Hebrews chapter eleven says. And so when we look at this, this is not fiction to me. This is not a made-up story. And after you read about this and you get keep going through, I mean, he appears to about 500-plus people yep. at the same time. And they're like, we've seen him. 
We've seen him. But then you look at the instructions, right? The apostles, when Jesus told them in Acts 1.8, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They couldn't have made that up by themselves. Why in the world? Why in the world would 12 men, right? Take Judas out, put Paul in. Why in the world would 12 men travel the world, almost die, shipwreck, bit by a snake, beat up? Why in the world would 12 men travel? And preach a resurrected Christ to and give their lives away, die martyr's to, death, and to die. Yeah, that does, now this is just me. That why would someone do that for something made up? You wouldn't. Would you would. Happen. You would sell out to something Fact. that is real. Fact. It would not happen. And here's the deal: if if this, when you the skeptics out there who want to uh, uh, downplay the the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, understand. The fact that it happened is just as evident as it could be because we've talked about credibility in here I don't know how many times. And the fact that uh, you could only fake for so long until the just the deductive reasoning of, of humans will, you know, figure out what truth is and someone's lying to them. This is as credible as credible gets, guys. There's no way, no way that this story makes it thousands of years. And we're hearing about it here today. Yeah. If there's an ounce of deception in it, it's 100% true. And that's like, so, I mean, man, and here's another thing of Scripture, being fulfilled by a man that we don't even think he was a believer. When you get into Acts chapter, Acts chapter 5, and the apostles are before the high priest, and they're like, you can't preach about Jesus. Don't you, don't you dare talk about the resurrection anymore. And they're like, okay, well, we'll let you decide whether we should listen to God or listen to you. But they keep preaching, right? So they end up getting arrested again. And when you get down into this text, Peter, they get arrested again. And Peter says in 529, he says, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, he raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on the tree. God exalted him at the right hand as a leader and a savior to give repentance to Israel and for the forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these things. So is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So here you go. You've got your apostles. They're preaching. Yep. Resurrection of Christ. Yep. They've told him to quit. They told him that if they don't stop, what's going to happen? You're going to get arrested. We're going to kill you. I mean, they wanted to kill him right here in the yeah. text. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it literally says they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So you look at them, they're sold out. And you also made a really good point right there because if you're a Christian today and you believe the story that was just read, it's more than just an intellectual knowledge. The Holy Spirit now also in my heart puts the stamp of confirmation the, upon that the second witness the second witness and you just read it peter told him you know what we witnessed it and it's confirmed by the holy spirit that he give us and that's yeah. what that's it what lives I'm, inside of us that's what he says that i mean the first he says we witnesses the thing these things then he says so is the holy spirit now we have to remember when they were given the holy spirit and we read about in acts chapter 2 and the holy spirit came and dwelt them and gave them the gifts and all these things i mean jesus told him that he said listen the holy spirit he's going to bring all things to remembrance it's going to make sense one day, boys. You know, it's not. I mean, even right there, right when we were reading in thirteen, and you get into John fourteen, they're still asking questions. They're like, "We don't know where you're going. How do we get there?" And Jesus is like, "I am the way, the truth, and the light." Right. And then Thomas is like, "Well, okay, but we've never seen the Father." And Jesus is like, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So they're still confused. They still. But when you look at this, now they're not the same questioning guys. They're now they're like. 
Jesus is alive. Jesus will save you and give you forgiveness of your sins. And so right here, he's like, listen, we're witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. When you read John 14, when you read John 16, that's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit's not going to come on his own. He's not going to come on his own behalf. He's going to come in my name. He's going to point you to me. And that's where I'm looking about this. Like, you can't just make this thing, these things up. And this is what I love because when you look at this whole section, the, the exciting part of Acts 5 is right here. Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. Gamaliel said to the other men, the Pharisees, Men of Israel, take care with what you are about to do with these men. Come on. He says, be careful what you're getting ready to do. You want to kill them, be careful. For before these days, uh, Thetis, and I might butcher that name, rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. Yeah, he was killed, and all who followed were dispersed and came nothing. (laughs) Look here. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of his people. Didn't make it long. He too (laughs) perished, and all who followed him were scattered. (laughs) So listen to what Gamaliel says. Not a follower of Jesus right here. He says, so in the present case, concerning the apostles and the resurrection of Christ, he Mm -hmm. says, the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Why? Right here. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. A teacher of the law has just set the standard straight. Yep. If this isn't of God, he it'll fizzle out. Yep. Just like the two guys above. It won't yep. last long. Yep. But if this is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. And you're not going to be able to get... against it. And that's what I'm saying. So now <laughs> think about the grand scheme of what we're celebrating this week about Jesus dying and raising again. They wanted to kill him to get rid of him, right? They're like, let's get rid of him. If we don't get rid of him and we let him keep going, it's going to ruin our status. It's going to ruin our message as Pharisees. They were threatened by him. They didn't like what he was saying. I mean, even right there in John, they said this man made himself the son of God. And it's like, bro, he's God in the flesh. (laughs) To a point, they're right. But like, it's like, not in the sense of like, he made himself, but he is son of God. They recognized him in that text. They're like, they're saying, he's saying he's the son of God. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, he he absolutely is the son of God. And so they're at the point where they're like, let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. But it's like this. When you look at what Gamaliel says and you look at how they killed Jesus trying to get rid of him, but they actually were pushing everything through. And now we fast forward and now the apostles are sitting here and they're like, Christ is resurrected from the dead. Believe in him. Receive forgiveness of sins. Let's gather together. Let's go through doctrine. Let's do these things. Let's come together as a church. Let's go to Antioch. Let's go to Corinth. Let's go to all these places that Jesus told us to go. And Gamaliel's sitting here telling the Pharisees, he's like, listen, if this is of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. Then what happens? Then we get into chapter 6. And who tears the roof off in chapter 6? Stephen. Stephen gets up and he looks at the men of Israel. He's like, you sinners. You put him on the cross. You killed him. He even goes back to the days of Moses. He talks about David. He's talking about Old Testament. And he leads everything up to say, you have literally killed the Son of God. How can you not see? I mean, look at all this Look at all this evidence that we've got. All of it's meshing together. And Stephen does just a, the, actually does such a good job. That the conviction of the Holy Spirit that just crushes their heart 
No, they're they not. Res- they respond in anger. Yes. It's repentance. Right. Because if he'd, he'd been calling them out. And what I love is usually any time when I talk with Josh about Stephen, we always get, you stiff-necked people. Yeah. <laughs> you uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Yep. And that's what, as your fathers did. So when we think about that text, as your fathers did, what do we read in the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel? Josh touched on it uh, a little bit Sunday night. Yeah. Boy, they're rejecting God all up. They don't care. They're doing their own things. They're rejecting God and His, I mean, the presence of the Spirit trying to push them to do things, right? Because what did Ezekiel say? He said, the Spirit entered me and gave me words to say. And Stephen's just like, you stiff-necked people? Good night. You killed the Son of God. Just repent of your sins. And Alan said it. It says they were cut to the heart. What do they do? Instead of repenting, they're like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. It's almost like they get to the point, like some of them Pharisees, and they're like, uh, you know, how can you say that we're an adulterous people? You know, how can you say our father Moses did this? And Jesus is like, don't even say he's your father. Yeah. He'll raise children up from these rocks. Yep. You know, and it's, or even when they said, uh, they said, Israel, we've never been captive before. Right. We've Psh. never been ca- enslaved and, to anybody. Yeah, and I'm sure the Lord's sitting there like, <laughs> okay, you, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Pharaoh, Egypt, yes, yeah, yeah, that was you all. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like, you look at what this week represents, and it's of God. I mean, it is the Son of God. And that's what I was saying, like, when you look at that text, where they the Jews are before Potman, like there's they're like he's made himself the son of God. And I want to go back to what I said just a little bit and clarify some more. To a point them saying he is the son of God, I I agree with them. I mean, do we all not? They he is the son of God, but they're looking at it from a window of he's blaspheming, and we're looking at it from the window of like, no, he's not. He is the son of God. If anyone's blaspheming, it's the people that put him on the cross. But when you look at the grand scheme, they're like We'll get rid of him. But Gamaliel's saying like, hey, dude, if it's of God, you better get ready. Because you're not going to be able to overthrow it. But then what's he say? He says, you might find yourself opposing God. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did, really. Those people that hung him on the cross. I mean, that's what Jesus said when he's talking about, uh, when he's talking to Pilate. He says, the man, the people who handed me over, their sin is greater. Because they were turning and betraying and going against what Jesus was preaching. They rejected him. And so when we look at this week and we understand what this week's about and what it represents, I think Gamaliel hits it on the head. It was of God. Absolutely. They're not I mean, they threaten him here in that chapter five and chapter four, but now we've got like twenty something more chapters of the book of Acts. Well, they're still preaching. And Alan said it earlier. Here we are, thousands of years later, we're still preaching. And and here and our listeners, guys, we we love you guys. Here's what we want you to be prepped and ready for. This week the religious crowd will come out of the woodwork. Yes. There will be, there will be yes. people from every area of the world surface. Son, this week daughter, grandson, with cousin. Opinions. Yes, with opinions and, and, and revelations and uh, their, uh, their Jesus, <laughs> how they make Jesus. Here's what we want you guys to do. We want this to be a spiritual awakening, a revival time, a, 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 a time where not just uh, uh, we get our emotions worked up because it's, you know, Easter Sunday. Like, Josh, let's get humble. Let's get humble. Let's get exactly in a mindset right. of humility this let's week. Get, I'm talking to myself, Alan. I should be, uh, every day should be a time of me uh, evaluating my spiritual condition, evaluating my study time, evaluating my prayer time. How, is it quality prayer time? Am I just praying selfish prayers? Am I just, you know, doing no vain repetition? Or am I 
putting my heart into it? Am I, am I seeking a, a closer walk with God? This should be a week as a true believer in a true God that we really roll our sleeves up and get rid of some of the, I hate to say traditional, because <laughs> there's nothing no, wrong with tradition. Sure. Nothing yeah. wrong with tradition. If tradition if, lines up with text, it's, if, if, it's if, good. If, if the traditions line up with the word of God, they're good. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's like, even like this week, when we think about everything that we're going to be, I mean, most pastors are going to get up this weekend, this next weekend, and they're going to talk about the resurrection, and there's no issues with that. If a man felt led to preach something else, he needs to. Yep. But they're going to preach, hopefully, what the Lord's leading them to do. and what they're. But regardless what the pulpit or whatever you talk about in the Sunday school, it doesn't take away that this week people are remembering and worshiping a living Savior. And that's where, you know, when we get into this week and we humble ourselves before the Lord, like the, we're not here just like worshiping a little boy in Nazareth. I mean, he's not the little boy in Nazareth anymore. When he returns, he's not going to be riding on it just the back of a donkey with leaves or leaves, you know, be when I think about the Lord and what he is. And, you know, it's even like this last week, uh, Wednesday night, he's been going through Thessalonians and I read through revelations cause I got to go to the noonday service. And as I was at the noonday service, he mentioned revelations 13. And so I read from 13 to like the end of the chapter in 21. But like when you get into the second return, like, He's not coming on a donkey. And you know what that makes me think of? That makes me think of what Ezekiel said. And I flipped over to it. Look here. This is Ezekiel's vision. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was a likeness, an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads, and under the expanse, their wings stretched out straight, one toward another. Each creature had two wings covering its body. When they went, I heard the sound, right? So it talks about the creatures. Now look here. 26, and above the expanse over their heads was a likeness of a throne, mm. an appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what the appearance of his waist, I saw it as a gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And when you go to the bottom of 28, look at this. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, mm-hmm. and I heard the speaking of him. And that's what I'm thinking of this week is like, when I think about the Lord, I'm thinking about what Ezekiel said, or even, what is it, Isaiah 6, right? I saw the Lord, yeah. and we, I mean, we sing that song, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, he was clothed in glory, exalted high, the train of his robe, and, and I mean, what's Isaiah say? It cleansed my lips, yeah. this unclean. Unclean. And that's what I'm thinking of, of this week. These two texts, it's like, when we come before the Lord this week, really, I, I think about this. I thought about this this morning. If we truly, truly, everyone in our fellowship would pr- look within ourselves, yeah. self-examine ourselves, repent, repent, pray, read, repent, pray, read, and we would come together as a body of believers, do you know what could happen? The worship that you would present, yeah. whether it's whether it's... Uh, I know some people are, are created different. More people are, some are recessed and quiet, kind of like myself. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what? You know, introverts. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who knows you that listens to this is going to, they're going to like pause and be like, I'm about to call him. What's he saying? And they'll push play. What the? <laughs> <laughs> what the crap? <laughs> but 
Here's here's the point that I make. We we made a statement in Sunday school. Sometimes I get in my head because I think, man, am I am I, am I drawing attention to myself? Because I would never want to do that. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I want to honor God with my <clears throat> worship. If it's verbal, if it's audible, sometimes it is. Sometimes I, you know, sometimes I get loud. But then Satan always accuses me and attacks me of trying to, you know, oh, what are you doing? You're you're, you're stirring up, you know, emotion. That's not that's not good. Here's my point. When I do the research, when I do the the groundwork, when I put the work in during the week, and I pray, and I study, and I seek God's face, and I listen to the Holy Spirit, I don't care what anybody says, because I'm not talking to them no way. That's right. I'm talking to God. Yep. I'm worshiping Him. Uh, Yeah, and it's like, when you, it's even like this morning, you know, we came in together, and the songs really focused on the blood of Christ. Your worship will be right. That's my point that I'm trying to make. When you spend that time... And you've prayed up, and you've repented. Yeah, you're minding. You're minding, and your worship will be accurate. Your mind and your heart is ready. You're repented up, and I mean, you're just humbling yourself before the Lord. Being repented is key. That is that is truly the key. Yeah, if you come in, you can't come in dirty. Right. You know, you have to come in repented and clean. I mean, you're you're standing before a holy God. Yeah, you can't. To have, it's almost like. If you came in here and you have a blockade between you and God, how in the world? It's like I heard a guy a couple weeks ago. He was talking about Sunday services and how, you know, yeah, Sunday is the day we come together, but like we should be in the Word every other day. But they made a comment and said, you know, on Sundays, what if we all came with an expectation or an expectation, an expectation to hear a word from the Lord? Every Sunday we show up personally, everybody were to be like, I'm going to hear a word from the Lord today, and it's going to guide me, and it's going to direct me. And here's the beautiful thing. His sermon today was great, but do you know what really touched my heart today in our Sunday school with our youth? We started talking about, mm, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah. Dude. And I had to leave early to go help with welcome. But that's what got me today. And so when I look at Sundays, you know, we have the classes, we have the service, we have this. But I'm trying to get in that mindset of like, when I show up today, I, I want to be challenged. I want to hear words from the Lord. If I need to do something, I need to do it. And I'm sitting in a Sunday school class. And we didn't have a lot of kids today because, you know, the flooding and all that stuff. And we're just sitting there and Angie shows up and she's like, today we're going to be in John chapter 10. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Boy, and she started talking about the voice. And I was like, oh, man. And, and it's just one of those things that like, if we all came together with our hearts, our minds, repented up, a place of humility. I mean, viewing the Lord as what He is, the King that is coming back, and we were to bow down. And, and I mean, it seemed like to say this morning, you know, I, I can't answer for anybody else, but man, when we started singing those songs about the blood, it blessed me. I, I mean, really, it, it was just awesome. That one song that Karen and Ty, Ty sang, um, they sang about the blood. It's not this blood, the other one she sings. I can't remember what it's called. Never Way back on. Ca- yeah, and it reaches to the high. Yep. I mean, when you look at, hear that song, that's powerful. Yep. But do you know, when we were singing the song, I was up in the choir, and all of a sudden, I see people I talk to on a regular basis. Most of them. I, whether I see them on Mondays, Wednesdays, maybe they're really close to me, and I talk to them on a daily basis. Man, when we start singing that song and I see my friends and my family and everybody, they stand up and they're worshiping the Lord, that touches me. And I know we don't, we shouldn't base our worship off what other people do. We shouldn't worship just, I don't worship 
a certain way because someone else does. But it touches me because I'm able to be in a place, in yeah. a position of ministry here. Yes. So to be able to see people stand up or sit and raise their hands or just come before the Lord, that's a, that is encouraging is and exciting. Encouraging. And what, what, what helps me... Stir each other's affections, what the Scripture all, says. We're all... Uh, in the same battle, yeah. We're all in in in, in the same uh, struggles, and you know maybe they're not the exact same, but everybody has a struggle. Yeah. Everybody has things that they they face that presents a challenge. And when we come together, I, I just really like the ability to put all of that stuff out of our mind, get off, you know, and just focus on God and His goodness, mm-hmm. and understand that, yeah. We all go through different things. We all worship differently. I know I, I made the little joke. <laughs> Everybody's, you know, some people you never hear a word of, I mean, and they may be sitting there thinking, you know, you, 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 you think, well, aren't they enjoying the service? You don't know what's going on inside them. They may be absolutely rejoicing yep. beyond measure, and God may be receiving honor from them in a way that we don't even understand. So the fact that when we come together and we worship God, it's in a it comes from a position of, and Josh, you said it, I mean, perfect that repented state where we have that pure heart and it's God recognizes that that's a place that I can't see, you know, I can't, I can't look in anybody's heart and see, but God can. And that, that atmosphere is so valuable. It's so precious. And when we talk about honoring God and lifting him up, it, it, it has that perfect atmosphere, that perfect culture, that perfect environment. Mm -hmm for those who are lost or those who are in a backslidden uh, or unuseful condition for the Holy Spirit to reveal those things. Yeah. And that's that's that that's important to keep that first and foremost in our church so that lives can be changed and folks that need help can yeah. find help. And I think today, like, man, a lot of our conversation has rotated around. We didn't even get to healing and miracles. We'll get to that next time. It's fine. Um, But, like, three words come to my mind about the conversation we talked about today. The realness of the resurrection. Yeah, buddy. I mean, we've talked about humility. We've talked about keeping Christ first. Uh, We've talked about worship. We've talked about how our hearts and our minds should be. But this is all available to us and we can talk about this because of the realness of the resurrection and what christ did and i don't know about you all but man i'm just i'm so excited for what this week holds and i know one thing um this sunday and a lot of people you know have different do different things and all sorts of stuff but i know this most churches will see an an attendance increase on April yeah, 4th yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, maybe that is, as Alan said, the CEO Sunday, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, Christmas, yeah. Easter only. But what I know is this. I, I believe that whether it's our pastor or someone else stands up, man, somebody's going to be exposed to the gospel yep. that next Sunday. And once they walk out the doors, I, I pray that they would surrender their life exactly. to Christ. And I can, I can be critical, and I can be sarcastic, all I want to be. But the bottom line is, it, it doesn't matter why you're in God's house. I don't. It's none of my business why you're in God's house. What I should be focused on is making sure that I'm not that stumbling block. That's right. That I'm not that, that person who offends yeah. one of God's yep. little ones. And the Bible says it's better for you to have a millstone around your neck <laughs> yes. and be thrown in the ocean yeah. as to offend one of God's little ones that's trying to reach him. 
So keep that in mind. And, and, and uh, like I said, I yeah, don't want to be Yeah, we can focus over. on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as we focus on others, just, I mean, that's the thing. Is, yeah. It's, it, you know, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a way we look, you know, inwardly to make sure that, you know, we don't want to be the one that's causing another to stumble. Yeah. You know, or to be one that's hindering somebody's walk yeah. because they're looking at us. Yeah. You know, that, that, that we need to be right with him. And I don't and I don't go ahead, Josh. Well, I was going to say, I don't think that another thing is, too, is like we do need to focus on ourselves. But I think this is a worthy saying when we talk about people that only come twice a year or three times a year. I don't think it's really at a place of trying to be critical towards them. Really, it's a it's a worry yeah. because when people yeah. only do come twice or three times a yeah. year, the three of us are in here like, uh oh, yeah. something's yeah. not making sense. And, he, and, and here's here's here, here's where I'm coming from. That Holy Spirit's going to speak. He's going to do his job. He's going to yeah. do what he does good. Absolutely. And at that point, the gospel message should be delivered and laid in that person's lap. Now, what do you do with it? Yeah. My position is. Okay, God, I want everything lined up between me and you, to where that you know what I'm the I'm the center of your will. I'm I'm seeking your face. I want to be that conduit, that conductor that allows yeah, the, the Holy Spirit the, the Holy Spirit to run freely, and not the the break in the circuit. You know? yes. <laughs> but you but you also get to a point too where it's like I do want the Holy Spirit to run freely. I do want to worship Him, but then you've got to also think about, but it's still not about me yeah or even like the spiritual gifts we've yeah. talked about the last few weeks and how some people take them out of context and try that's what we're going to talk about with healing miracles today about how everybody makes it about who can heal and who can't yeah i mean I and mean, we'll get into that oh, i don't want to get into that yet i've got a lot of comments yeah. in scripture but um i i do think it is worth talking about this week and i'm kind of glad we did this i feel like maybe the, the lord just had this plan that we could talk about the realness of the resurrection because humility realness repentance i mean whatever we've talked about today is because of what jesus did for us this week and i'm one of three men in this room that are like amen that it this is all about him this week and that's one thing i love about our church and our congregation is because whether it's the pastor our deacons or any of the ministers or the sunday there's a lot of us that push and strive and encourage this church to be remain in a humble mindset and a humble because it would be i mean we're this is a bigger church we've got a lot of things we've got a lot of ministry we could boast we could but we don't because we have to remember we've got to be humble before the lord we've got to be you know in his presence with humility thanking him and praying like alan said that we're lining up with him in his way because even like when you get into revelations and you start reading about them churches yep, yep. man they were distracted they were boastful. They had money. You know what I'm saying? Big responsibility. Yep. So, uh, man. I mean, how many times did Israel turn their back on them? You know, yeah. I mean, Israel, he would bless them. And literally, I mean, like, they go right yeah. from that blessing. Yes. It, it, yes. It, 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 not it, just one time either. A vicious was, cycle. Yes. <laughs> time and time again. Yeah. They got and to, we are the yes, same. Exactly the we, same. We are the, exactly the same. If, out of fellowship, out of his will, it doesn't take us long to go right back to where we. Or to get the mindset of like. Yes. You know, oh, God's blessed me. I can go do what I want. Psh, 
That's, that's just not how it works. Yeah. We we owe him our lives. Yes, we do. Be a living sacrifice. So, um, guys, do y'all have anything else to uh, kind of say about this week? Or? Well, just the, the the preparation coming up to Easter. I tell you what, it's a, if the anticipation is building in a life. If you're a believer, then I know the way I always look at when Easter comes up, it's that special time where God just absolutely uh, reaffirms, makes himself real in, in, in my life. and uh, We want to make sure... Uh, this is a special Easter for you as a believer. If you're not a believer, man, we really want to invite you uh, to consider Christ yes. because, man, he is life-changing. Yes. And there's just something special about this time of year with the, not just the springtime where the, the flowers and the trees and the grass is coming to life, but, man, alive. There's that birth that can happen in your soul where you will come alive in a way that you have never imagined possible. And, uh, again, you know, uh, the podcast is it, it's a resource for you guys to use, and, and, and we will make sure whether you're uh, driving or uh, maybe you're at the gym or you're going on a, a run or riding a bicycle, whatever you put the podcast in, uh, we want you to be encouraged. Uh, we want you to understand that God loves you, and we do too. Yeah, and, I mean, and um, next, not this segment, but the next segment is going to be a little bit different just because um, we've got some Easter celebrations, some things that are coming up the next week. And so we're going to put something out. It's not going to be the three of us. Uh, I'm just going to share a little something for that week. And it might be, I'm going to talk a little bit just about what happened after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to everyone, because we do get a great promise in Acts chapter 1. Ooh, i got a good idea. What? Let's challenge our listeners. Hunter's going to do a short segment, and the rest of the time that you would ordinarily spend listening to us, spend that time quiet, alone with God and God's Word. Yeah. Spend the rest of that time reading God's Word, and don't take our interpretation for God's Scripture. Which not, we wouldn't mislead you for anything, but... A lot of times I get dependent on listening to other folks. Yeah, that would be a good time. Just yes. go ahead and go ahead and block you off an hour, yeah. <laughs> and spend the rest of that time in God's Word and, 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 and reading it, in prayer. It can be somewhere else, or um, what I'll do too is I'll probably read the rest of John and then read Acts chapter one. Maybe it's just after I read it and say a couple things, you just go read it for yourself. Yeah, and look I at like it. and look at what's promised to us in Acts one eleven. That's a big statement. He will return in the same like manner. Mm. That's some good stuff. That's so, good stuff. but guys, that's all from us. Uh, we love y'all. Like to say, the next segment will be a little bit different, and then after that, we're going to get into the rest of the miraculous gifts. Then we're going to get into some uh, gifts that we do see exercised on a daily basis of exhortation, discernment, teaching, event, and it's just going to be so good. So, um, that's all from me, guys. God bless. God bless. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out. Mm-hmm.